As a sales manager, you are judged by the performance of your team and you're praised when they do well. But one thing that you've not been able to figure out is how to get everyone on your team consistently hitting quota every single month. On the Snack Size Sales Podcast, we discuss the science of selling STEM. Sales leadership in the science, technology, engineering, and manufacturing fields is difficult. You will learn from sales managers just like you that will give you actionable insights and tips on how to develop as a leader and achieve your revenue targets every single month. So pop your headphones in and get ready to listen to my guests today. They will give you information and inspiration to ensure that you have actionable insights that you can put into place today. In the United States, February is dubbed as Black History Month. Today, you're going to be hearing a very special episode between myself and GB, also known as Gabrielle Blackwell, of Airtable. During this episode, you may hear some terms that you may know, you may not know. If you're not in the tech industry, some of these terms may be a little bit foreign to you, but I wanted to give you your glossary before we got started. An AE is an account executive, an SDR is a sales development representative, and a BDR is a business development representative. So I encourage you, Google search those, figure out what they are, but Nestle up, get out your notepad, and get ready for this amazing episode between myself and this GB. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Science of Selling STEM. Today, I am so, so excited to have a fellow Texan, I'll claim you as a Texan, even if you haven't been here your whole life, GB Blackwell of Airtable. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing amazing. Let me tell you guys a little bit more about GB. She's a repeat LinkedIn sales star, and she's built 10,000 plus followers over the past year. She leads a team of business development reps at Airtable, where she partners with people to cultivate a healthy culture of learning, development, and collaboration. When she's not leading a team or posting content, she's focused on driving content and community for Women in Sales Club, an organization built to drive conversations around supporting and enabling women in the sales profession. So you're not doing like just one or two things, you're doing a million things. How did you start your career and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, I uh, joke around and I say that I started sales out of desperation. I had moved back from Paris, France in 2015. I thought I was going to get into like the HR people recruiting side of the business, interviewed a bunch of places, didn't get past the phone screen. So I'm like, let me take a moment and really think about like, where do I see my career growing into? And so I kind of created this vision map of my uh, for myself. And uh, I said, the CEO, I'm, like, I'm just going to aim for the CEO position. Where do we CEOs start their careers off in? And sales really just bubbled up to, uh, for me as one of those positions that I felt like, all right, I can get started in this. And it'll very much align to like my overall like long term career goals. So I started applying for sales positions, specifically an SDR role. The if I applied on a Wednesday, my first day was the following Wednesday. So I'm like, cool, let's make it happen. So uh, I was like, I needed a job, needed a career in sales just happened to align very well to that. Wow. So you literally made a vision map. A lot of people don't do that. They don't cast their vision out on paper or anywhere. Tell us like why, why did you even start there? 
I think I, I didn't actually start there. As I mentioned, I had I had been interviewing at a bunch of different places and I just wasn't going anywhere. And again, when I when I was living in Paris, France, I thought I was going to live there. I had no monies. I was with a not so great uh, ex-husband as well. And so when I came back, I was like, I really need to figure out what I'm doing with my life. And I have to actually like claim what I'm going to do and have some sense of ownership and control over the way that my life is going. And so in effort of just, all right, I'm just going to try and get into the people side of the business and not, not going anywhere. I'm like, let me just try something different. So I, I remember I would go into bookstores and I would read up on all the different career paths and like, how should I choose those career paths? And I'm just ingesting information on like, what's the best way to think about starting a career. And so somewhere in that journey of like walking around from one Barnes and Noble to the next, <laughs> or like one phone screen to the next, I was just down. And I'm like, what am I actually doing here? Like, I really need to plot my path and I need to have a direction because I just feel like I'm running around rudderless. And so like, I think that was the moment where I'm like, I need to understand where I'm heading. So as soon as I gave myself my Northern Star, then everything else seemed to make a lot of sense. I knew exactly kind of like what to do, where to go, even if I was like, what? Cold calling, cold emailing, like what has my life brought me to? And now made sense in the grand scheme of, okay, what am I actually building? I'm not just building for having a job. Like I can do that anywhere in, in any place. I'm like, I'm building a career. This is something I know I could be committed to. I think that's really what was driving me. Like I wanted to have that commitment to something. That's amazing. I think so many times is people in general, salespeople, we don't really lay out that roadmap. We're just like, I want this thing. And then that's it. And so I love how you said, okay, let me take a step back. Let me do a little bit of research, some reading. And I interviewed and a week later, I was a salesperson. So how was that dropping in the middle of the ocean? <laughs> uh, that's a great way of putting it. I, I'm just like reflecting back because I can't even remember taking my phone screen in the car. I met my godmother up for coffee and I was like, oh, I have an interview. And she's like, do you want to prep for it? And I was like, ah, I don't know if this is like, I don't know if sales is meant for me, but I'm just going to have fun, see what happens. And I got on the call and I honestly just had a, I had a really great conversation with the person who would end up being my manager. His name's Dan Barr. And I think just like from the get go, one of the things that he had shared with me, he goes, you know, you seem like somebody who's going to be kind of successful no matter where you go. And I just want to let you know that this is like the first demonstration of an investment into your career and into your success, but recognize that whether you work for me or not, like know that I'm invested. That was on a phone screen, right? And he's like, I don't want to get ahead of myself and offer you a job right off a phone screen. Uh, so I think he was also slightly desperate too. So it worked out all very well. It, but from the get go, I just talked to someone and what I heard and what I felt was, wow, like this person just trust me. Like, he sees that I can be very successful. And I think that's like what I was seeing in myself, regardless of what was going on around me and what my external circumstances look like. So, uh, and even when I met him in person, I was like, I don't know if I could take this job. He's like, why not? I'm like, I don't know if I think approved. Sorry, headphone fell out of me working in sales. And he's like, who do I need to talk to in your family? I'm like, oh, okay, you're real. Like, you're for real. So I think already I was just like, I was excited about working for someone who seemed so curious about what I could do, where I was like, all right, this is, I feel like I'll be in a place where I can really show up and show out. And so from the first day, I was just like, I have no other choice but to be successful. So like, that was it. I was like, I made a decision. I made a conscious choice. I don't have any money. I'm living in a basement of my uncle's house. I like, I gotta just be successful. And so like, at that point in time, I think I was just like a, a woman on a mission 
And I was like, I'm exactly where I need to be. And now I just need to make the best of the opportunity. So I didn't really feel like I was getting dropped off in the middle of the ocean. I was just like, I'm going to make it work. The end. So that's what it was for me. I love it. And you really touched on a couple key points there. One thing is a manager seeing something in you, right? And you didn't have any sales experience. I love saying stop hiring your competitors rejects people. Don't do it. Find strong salespeople. Find people who have those innate abilities to be excellent. And then something else that a lot of people think is like sales. Oh, I can't do that. My family's not going to like that. I don't want to be a sleazy used car salesperson. So once you got into your first sales position, how'd it go? It went really well. I was a top performing. Uh, so I started off as a sales development representative and I think I had averaged like 130% of quota. If you look at the next top performing rep, they would have been under 100%. I think there was at one point in time I was producing at like 3x the next top performing rep. And yeah, so it went really well. I was making like two times my OTE sometimes. So my manager at some point in time, he's like, did you know you're going to make two extra OTE? Like you're on path to do that. And uh, he's like, can I get some money from you? So at that, at that point in time, I was like, oh, like I'm, I was having it one, I was having a good time. I was enjoying what I was doing. I was enjoying everything that I was learning. So I, I feel like sales, I share this with people, my sales is a learning profession, in my opinion, um, at least that's what my experience has been. So it's always, it's always been really intriguing to figure out, cool, like, how can I better understand our prospects? How can I learn more about our customers? Like, how can I get better at being a salesperson? Or even, all right, I'm really interested in figuring out how to operationalize my own success and share that out with other folks. So for me, I had, it wasn't just a matter of like, oh, I'm really successful. I was also being challenged by my manager at that time to figure out how can I share what was working with me to also help others figure out what was like what could work for them? So kind of took on a somewhat of a team lead role too, where I could like coach and mentor other folks on the team. So yeah, the first year went really well. Okay. So first year in sales, blowing it out of the water, 3X doing amazing. At what point did you say, okay, you dropped me in the middle of this tiny ocean and I want you to drop me in the middle of a big ocean and become a sales manager? Yeah, it was definitely, I feel like a path less taken or less, like less traveled. So that first company I worked at as a sales development representative, uh, that company was called Cloudwords. Um, the sales development department was eliminated, like right at my one year or right before my one year mark. So I was like, dang, I was doing really well. Like this is a company that I really like. Like my manager got fired. The VP of sales got fired. It was, it oh. was a crap storm. Yeah. 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 The fun of working in startups. So I was kind of like beside myself for a bit and the VP of sales that I had worked for at CloudWords started at a new company. He's like, Hey, like I can get you an SDR role, no problem. But what do you feel like? How do you feel about becoming an AE? I was like, sure, I'll, I'll take on the challenge. So I stepped into the AE role uh, at this new company. They relocated me out to Portland, Oregon from Chicago. I got into, actually got into like a, a car accident, had a terrible concussion, kind of forgot how to operate for a bit. All the while I'm holding a quota, right? So I went into like the last month of the quarter at zero. Like I was at the very bottom of a list of like 75 people. I'm like, what am I doing? Is sales for me? Somehow the stars aligned. And in the last two weeks of the quarter, I closed like almost a hundred K deal. And I was working a mid-market accounts as well as some other like smaller deals. So I ended up hitting like 193% of my quota, number one on my team. Like, like yeah, yeah. So I was, <laughs> you know, 
and then and then I you know everyone's like super excited for me they're like wow what a comeback kid I come back two days after the quarter and I have to find out my position had been eliminated oh my gosh yes. <laughs> yeah what yeah so and that was all by the way that was all within the same year that was 2016 for me so I um yeah so I kind of had this experience of like, wow, like I, I know I can do this work, but it was incredibly discouraging and disheartening to experience these things. So, and I also hadn't been an account executive long enough for people to go, hey, like we see you having enough experience, like we'll hire you back in. And maybe that was a blessing in disguise because I ended up thinking through, all right, I need to work for a company that's growing quite a bit, right? Where the marketplace really has a big need for what they're offering. And if I join that kind of company, regardless of the kind of technology, I'll probably have some opportunities that show up. I don't know what they're going to be. So I ended up joining this company called Cloudability as a BDR. So I kind of a little bit of a step back, but I was like, whatever, we're going to figure it out. I was like, we've proven, and I'm like, Gabrielle, we've proven that we can get stuff done and get promoted and do a very good job. Like, let's just trust in ourselves again. And so I, I joined the company and um, their BDR function was hardly anything that resembles business development. It was more so we have one person who's a sales admin. And I was just kind of like, hey, like, here's what this program could be. I had all my resources for my past gigs. I started creating like scripts and playbooks for myself just because I, there wasn't really a, a manager for my function. And then when we got a new VP of sales, I just shared with him, hey, I've been in an organization where we built out what you want to build out. I was a leader in that capacity. I really studied to figure out like what makes this program successful. And I think that I'd be a great manager, right, for the business development team. He heard me. I don't think he took me seriously. <laughs> and then when the position actually came up or they had a job rec for it a few months afterwards, had to remind him again, like, hey, by the way, I'm your girl. Uh, he gave me a shot to interview, had a panel interview. Like, I remember I stayed up for three days straight creating this business plan. It was intense and presented like three business days later and ended up getting the job that day. So I, I was just like, I was like, listen, I, again, woman on a mission. I'm like, you cannot stop me. You cannot deny me. I'm going to do great work. I'll show you what I'm capable of in this business plan. And after that, like I will produce results. So I, I just kind of, that's how I got into management. Wow. So I have to unpack all of this that you just told us. <laughs> you literally had a year of People letting you go. People saying, hey, GB, I'm sorry. Your position is eliminated. The company isn't doing well. And you literally, as a comeback kid, you mentioned how you closed that quarter out, but you said, hey, took a step back. Where do I want to be? What is the next best step for my career? A lot of times we don't do that. A lot of times we don't stop, take a pause and say, what's best for my career? Not what's the job that's going to pay the bills, but what's best for my career? And so mm -hmm. you found this company you went in and you said, I know how to be excellent in my capacity. And what I want to do is I want to help others be excellent. And so you advocated for yourself and so many people, especially women, I'm going to plug women here. We don't advocate for ourselves. We just take it right. And mm -hmm. you kept pushing and kept pushing and you became a manager. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, like literally going from being laid off twice to saying, I'm going to lead this team of BDRs in this brand new creative position. I'm the person for this job. Yep. A hundred percent. It's exactly what happened. I, yeah, advocated for myself big time. Um, so Kevin Dorsey's, uh, it was one of the things that he really impressed on to me because there's a part about being a woman, but there's also being like a black woman, a woman of color is he, he's like, he's like, you don't need to just raise your hand and say like, 
say like, oh, hey, like I want this. You have to like raise your hands and you have to raise your voice. Like you're not yelling or anything like that, but you have to make sure that people hear you. And, and that means that you might have to tell them quite a number of times for them to go, oh, look, you're talking to me. <laughs> so uh, that 100% happened big time. So yeah, 2016 to 2017, well, all those years, like it was such a journey, but yeah, a good one. That is amazing. So then you said one thing that is, I think key, you're not just a woman, you're a woman of color in the tech industry, right? Yeah. So, I mean, all of these cars that are stacked against you, all of these things that are saying, hey, GB, there's nobody else like you here yeah. doing this job. It isn't meant for you. And you said, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to raise my voice. I'm going to say this is what I'm destined to do. And for that yeah. is one reason that I know you've gotten so much success out of your career because you didn't yeah. just take it, right? You didn't just lay down and say, okay, I'll just stay in this BDR role and keep making this company money right here in this silo. Yeah. You know, when I joined in tech sales, that first role that I had at Cloudability, so day one, I mean, it was a very small team initially, like we, we were based, uh, we had a satellite office in Chicago. So that's where I was working companies based out of San Francisco. So I started with two other folks, a woman named Dana, a guy named Nick. And then there was two guys who were out in San Francisco. Over the course of a few months, one of the guys in San Francisco left, another guy moved positions, Nick got let go. And then it was Dana and myself. And then all of a sudden it was, I don't remember everyone's name. It was like Erica and Maddie and Heather. And it was like, we just had a team of women. And wow. so <laughs> that was my first experience in sales. Like the only guy in the office was our manager. So I didn't really like know that there was any kind of gender disparity or like gender gap or like, and what the implications of that meant in terms of access to opportunity and access to earnings and things like that. So like, I didn't know that existed <laughs> until I left that company. So I think I was really blessed in that situation to like be in what feels like a like utopian place in sales. And I also like, it wasn't until like a few opportunities later that I also started to understand like, oh, wow, there are people who will refuse to see me as successful and who will consciously or unconsciously block me from having opportunities because of the color of my skin and because of the body that I inhabit as a woman. So I kind of like grew up, I feel like in sales in a very innocent way. And I also like, I'm <laughs> just like, grew up to a single mom. So there was no, like, I really had no examples of anything that would tell me that I couldn't be successful. So, um, and I, I had started teaching off to the side of this program called Elevate uh, this past year. So with Elevate, they're really trying to get folks to break into tech sales. Most of the folks are coming from like an underrepresented minority, or they're coming from maybe like a, a troubled background kind of thing. And one of the things I would hear from folks in my class is like, hey, GB, people aren't giving me opportunities because I don't have enough experience. I'm like, well, you can't change the fact that you don't have experience much the same way I can't change that I'm a black woman. And if I can't change it, that's not the reason I'm not being successful. Like mm -hmm. there are so many other things that are inside of my control. You know, can I work at every single company? No. Can I have any, whichever manager? No. Like, do I need to be very precise and you know, very like uh, discerning in the choices that I make a hundred percent. But I also recognize I had a really great manager my first go. I have a really great manager, really great leadership team now that I'm like, not everybody is going to discriminate in those ways. Like there are people who really, really will want me to thrive and are a hundred percent bought into that, whether it means working for them or working elsewhere. So it's just my prerogative. It's my job. 
to go and make sure that I'm around those people so that I can really have the kind of success that I know I'm capable of. Mm, That is powerful. That is so powerful because what we know fully is that we can't control how other people perceive us or their biases or any of the cards that may be stacked against us. All we can do is control ourselves and how we show up to the world and what we can do. And so really the fact that you're pouring into others so that they can reach the levels of success that you have, I think that is absolutely amazing. And you mentioned that You know, when you started your career, you had some really, really great bosses. But I know there was a time within your career that you had some trouble getting um, a new position. Talk to us about that a bit. Yeah, 100%. So I had, uh, this is beginning of 2018. So there's a company that I've been working for. And there's no other way to put it, but it was a very hostile working environment. And so there were times where, without going into like all the details, I was just getting a, a lot of very... I was on the receiving end of a lot of like uncivil treatment. And at the beginning of 2018, I ended up having like a mental breakdown. And uh, during that time, during the breakdown, I had gotten in trouble with the cops and ended up getting a misdemeanor as well as part of that. And it's really hard to get a job when you have a misdemeanor. (laughs) So very, very (laughs) difficult to get a job when you have a misdemeanor and also to have just gotten a misdemeanor and like kind of coming out of that and recognizing like, wow, this was was very much informed by the environment, the very unhealthy environment that I was in. So yeah, I, I would interview at places. People would be like, hey, we think that you're the best. They would offer me a job. I didn't know how to talk about the fact that I had a misdemeanor. I didn't know how to talk about hey, like here are the series of events that led to the misdemeanor as well. So what ended up happening was these people would find out from my background check that I had a misdemeanor and they would start to inform their own idea of like who I was. And I didn't ever change, like I never interrupted that narrative. So I very much, Mm -hmm. I feel like I very much surrendered control of my narrative to other people. And so that led to a couple of offers being rescinded. Yeah. So I was like living in New York City. I like didn't have any money. I had to move back in with my mom in 20, yeah, 2019. So moved back home to Chicagoland area and I actually reached back out to, um, I had been talking to my first manager, Dan, who I was talking about. And uh, then he knew what was going on. Right. So he definitely fulfilled his promise of, Hey, like I'm investing in you, like no matter what, so he had taken on a VP role at a company um, that he was working at and had let me know. He's like, hey, I think that you're great. I know that some stuff has happened in the past, right? That's blocking your ability. Like, what do you need? And I was like, I just need someone to like advocate for me. And champ, like, I was like, basically, I'm like, I'm not a jerk. <laughs> you know, I was like, I just had a very, very real human moment and it got the best of me. Mm-hmm. So what I really need is someone to advocate for me internally and let them know that like, I'm so much more than my background check will show. And so when they were opening up a BDR manager position, he reached out to me and was like, hey, I think that you'd be great. I'd love for us to work together again. And he was my internal champion. So I ended up starting work at a company called Infutor as a BDR manager. And like that really gave me the opportunity to go, all right, like I've been in the BDR manager position once before. One time might not be enough for someone to go like, hey, like you're good. (laughs) You're good as a manager. But it also like really helped me build that much more confidence in like, hey, like I can do this job. I can do it very well. I don't have to worry about the past stuff. And so it took me a year and a half to get back into the BDR manager position, but I got back. And really, I think that the thing, the story that you just shared, what is so telling about that is that, you know, hey, a lot of times 
we don't talk about the negativity, the toxic workplaces that actually lead to our mental anguish, especially when we're in sales. And it kind of catapulted into something that left you in a place where you couldn't get another position. However, you didn't give up. You didn't say, okay, I'm just gonna go be a barista and you know, I'll work my way up and I'll be a manager <laughs> because I know how to manage people. I'll be a, a barista yeah. at a coffee shop. You kept going and having an ally, right? And so right now, anyone who's listening, if you are in a position of power, whether you're in a C-suite role, a VP role, and there is someone that you can help elevate, someone that you can lift up, that you can help them if they're going through a tough patch, as GB just mentioned, that person who said, I invested in you, I believe in you, is why she was able to get back on her feet. And I think having those, like you said, that internal champion, somebody who'll go to bat for you to say, this person is more than what you see on a background check, truly helped you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big time. I will say I almost gave up. My mom, I, I got a, I got a little, it's not even a lecture, but I got a pep talk from my mom of her sitting on the couch one day and I was looking real glum because <laughs> I was just like, I was like, what am I going to do? I don't know what's happening. And so she's just like, Gabrielle, it looks like you're giving up and you shouldn't. And I was like, fine, mom, I won't. So, um, you know, so I'm like very, 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 very grateful for my mom for kind of just like giving me a little bit of a reminder, a little bit of a pep boost in that way. And I think there's a second piece to this too. Of, you know, there's there's the things that like C-suite leaders can do. One of the big things that I'm sharing right now is also, like I had an internal champion, but I also had invested quite a bit into that relationship back in 2015, right? It's like, mm. hey, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do really great work. Like I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to ask for feedback. I want you to look great, Dan. You know what I mean? Like, and I also made it a point to like, get to know him to get to know who his wife was and like get to know who his kid was and really try and demonstrate that level of care in him as a person and not just what he could do for me given his title and and this is really what I'm trying to advocate to with the folks that I'm mentoring is great like I'm a mentor of yours but also like who else in your organization can be a sponsor for you especially for women especially for women of color I was just talking to one of my mentees who just recently joined in sales and she's the only black woman that she knows of in North America right so I was like, hey, it is critical, it's essential for you to have people who are going to speak up on your behalf and advocate for you when you are not in the room. I was like, I was like, right. this will number one, help you save your like cover your ass in case like something goes down. But also more importantly, is like when someone's thinking about a promotion, for example, or a new opportunity or a learning opportunity, and you've invested in that relationship, then what what's up happening is someone goes to Victoria and says, Hey, Victoria, I really think that Sarah over here is great. Or is Sarah, she'll also go, Hey, but what about, what about Heather over here? I think mm -hmm. Heather should also be considered. So I'm like, these are the kinds of things, like if you invest in those kind of relationships, especially early on, these start to pay off like three, fourfold in the future. Mm, that's so good. I remember when I went to my first international sales meeting in Germany, I looked around the room. I was just so excited. You know, I'm a brand new salesperson. I'm excited about this. There were five women in the room and I was the only person of color. And I'm. this is international. So this isn't yep. just North America. And so yep. when we think about that, that was many moons ago. But the thing is, it's in many places, it's still the same. Yeah. I was so fortunate that my manager was actually one of the women in the room. And so when you talk mm -hmm. about having that internal champion, the person who speaks for you, 
when you're not around. Even if we translate that into how sales works, right? You think about, okay, Mm -hmm. who's the internal champion that I'm going to talk to? Who's that person who's going to advocate for my product? It's the same thing when you're thinking about your career. Who's the person who's going to advocate for me when I'm not in the room? Who's the person that I'm always going to be peppering and asking them questions and saying, hey, should I do this? Should I talk to this person? How can I elevate myself? Those people that we surround ourselves with are so important. Mm -hmm. You started an organization not too long ago, Women in Sales Club. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, co-founded Women in Sales Club alongside my dear friend and business partner, Alexine Mudoir. So we are celebrating. Yeah, it's like this is like our one year. So I don't remember exactly what day it was that we started, but sometime in January of last year. And, you know, it really started off with like Alexine and I having a conversation. We're just on the phone chit chatting. And Alexina just shared about like, she had always had this experience of being the only woman on the sales floor. And I was like, you know, like, I started off on a team of women. So like, I don't identify with that experience all the way. But I definitely am typically like the only black woman around like in the company, like not just even on the sales floor. So we, we talked about like what really helped us in our careers and like what were the things that felt like hindrances and then what is the kind of like mental anguish that we go through of being the, the only. And so that started off a conversation on Clubhouse where we're like, let's just talk about what it's like being the only on a sales floor. So initially Women in Sales Club kicked off as a, a room in Clubhouse that we, it was an event that we'd host every Saturday for a couple hours. We'd have a different topic. And we also were like, hey, we also recognize like how impactful like men have been in our careers. Like every mentor, every manager that I've had up until like last year is a man. So Hmm. I was like the people who have really been the most influential in my career up until recently, I'm like, these are men. So we also recognize like, it could be so easy to join into these women in fill in the blank environments. And it turns into a man bashing sessions. We're like, Hey, we want to do something very different. We want men to be a part of the conversation. A lot of men are in like positions of power. So if we can really share experiences, like maybe this is how we can bridge a gap of like, this is what will allow men to feel more comfortable investing in women, whether that's with like learning opportunities, promotion opportunities, those kinds of things. Um, and here's really how we can start to elevate the profession of sales. So we're not doing the same like uh, forum of events uh, every Saturday on Clubhouse, but we just launched a newsletter. I write that. So like, please subscribe. It comes out every Sunday, but a lot of heart and effort into that. And so we are partnering with companies as well to start throwing events, whether like recruiting events or kind of like webinars and things like that. So really just trying to like share content and build community in that side too. Again, like just like have conversations, get people thinking about how can we make sales a better place for literally everyone, right? But there's a, there is a focus on women for this. Wow. So just a, a place, and I, what I like is that this isn't just like, hey, this is women, 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 women supporting women. Yes, that's important, but the importance of having those male allies and those people mm-hmm. who, again, who are in the position of power that can help elevate you. So I'm guessing that you talk about how to find that mentor and helping yeah. that mentor elevate the woman and all of those amazing things that both women and men need to yep. elevate themselves within sales. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's Alexine was usually the one who would kick off the like preamble to the room. She, she'd go like, while we are called women in sales club, you know, we value every perspective and it just so happens that it's run by two women kind of thing. So I, I know I butchered it quite a bit, but it's from my perspective, um, I'm just like, hey, if we can make sales better for everyone, like I was like, it has to be better for everyone. It can't just be better for women alone, <laughs> right? Like it's like, it can't just be better for black people alone. I'm like it really does have to be better for everyone. We can also understand 
what are the nuanced differences in the experience based off of whatever identity that you carry and that you live in and things like that. Um, but for my end, I'm like, all right, the whole like toxic workplace culture, I'm like, I don't think those are healthy for white dudes. I really yeah. don't. <laughs> like, you're right. I, I, it's not, honestly, I'm like, it's not a good place for anyone. So, like, let's really do the work to make. Um, I also think as a manager, as a leader with my team, you know, I think about the impact that I can have of imagine someone starts off their career, the first manager they have is a black woman, right? <laughs> and I'm just like, not to say like, how cool is that? But I think about, all right, hey, if I show up and I'm thoroughly, like, I care about that person, thoroughly invested in that person, right? Like, I'm in support of their ability to succeed. And I'm also an advocate for them and their ability to have more opportunities to do more. Um, Like, they just go, hey, like, here's this person who really cared about me, who invested in me and all these other things. And now they could probably see that like anybody could do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, that's the kind of stuff to me that will start to impact like the future of sales looks like as well as like, I can be a really great example of a phenomenal boss. And that doesn't have to live in just like one kind of person that we would associate leadership with. Mm, so powerful. So powerful. Oh, this conversation has been so rich. I mean, we have started from you coming back from Paris, getting into sales, getting into sales management, having to take a sabbatical, even though you didn't choose to take the sabbatical, a sabbatical, yes. and really ending up with this amazing organization that you've created for all people, men, women, black, white, green, orange, pink, <laughs> doesn't matter how you identify, because we need to make sales a better profession, period, full stop, that's it. And that is what your mission is. 100%, thank you. Yeah, thank you. What a wonderful conversation. It has been an amazing conversation and I'm so, so, so excited that we got to chat today and I wanted to hold this until the end, but this is actually the episode that we're going to launch Black History with. So what? this will be the episode that will launch our Black History Month. And so I'm so excited we got to have this conversation today. I'm so thankful. I, I appreciate this so much. It was really like just, this felt like an anointing, really great way to start a Tuesday. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time, your talent, and your expertise with us, Miss GB. It has been amazing. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. And guys, that was another episode of The Science of Selling STEM. So whether you're listening to this the very first Wednesday in February for Black History Month, or you're listening to it in 10 years or in five years, I hope that you got all of the golden nuggets that you needed to get from GB today. And remember, in everything that you do, transform your sales. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today on the Snack Sized Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review. Learn how to continue increasing your bottom line by getting simplified sales strategies delivered to your inbox weekly by going to www.snacksizedsales.com. Trust me, your bank account will grow and love you.